Welcome to Kashris on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler. And we have a very wonderful guest tonight, a gentleman by the name of Mayer, keeping the second name uh, private, but a young man who's involved in Hashkocha and who is studying uh, science and uh, plans to use it, hopefully, for Kashris. And we're going to have a very interesting discussion with him both about what's going on in the cautious field that he's involved in, what his thoughts are on about the science, and um, we'll be discussing some of his background, some of the things that are interesting to him, and I think you'll find it a very, very interesting. But before we meet, I just want to say one quick word. We had a guest last week about the chauffeur blowing, and I, I couldn't believe it how today somebody came to me and sent me uh, a, 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 a whole thing about people who are putting out shofarim who are who are missionaries uh, who are putting out shofarim and they claim to be kosher certified by a rabbi Dominic Zangla who is one of the missionaries he calls himself a rabbi he's not living anymore but uh, he gave hashkacha and said it's for perpetuity forever and ever and ever to a certain shofar and it's on the the site shofar expert could you imagine that? Chauffeurexpert.com from the missionaries. So uh, just the point being that uh, when you go to buy a chauffeur, uh, best is to buy it in a good farm store that you're used to, not to pick it up somewhere in the street um, real cheap, because it could be coming from the wrong sources. Okay, without further ado, I want to introduce Mayor to you. Uh, Mayor, you're on the line? Uh, yes, I am. Shalom Aleichem. Aleichem, aleichem Shalom. Pleasure glad, to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on board. You know, we didn't get a chance to talk before, so this is like a, an introduction. So I, I think <laughs> it, I think that you'll enjoy our, our show here, and I think that the people will enjoy speaking and hearing from you as well. People can call into the studio a little later, but right now we want to discuss a little bit about you, Mayor. Um, you're involved in a, a few different things. You wear a number of hats. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're a student, you're, uh, you're a mashkiach, and, um, you know, you, you, you're, you're into Chabad a little bit, and you came in a little bit late, and, um, you know, share some of your thoughts with us on the, on the topic of kashras. So let's, let's start a little bit with the, um, with, with kashras. What, what are you doing? You're, you're a mashkiach somewhere, correct? Right. Well, I think calling what I, my title, uh, as a mishgiach is a bit of a stretch. I mean, I'm not I'm not checking for bugs or preparing food or anything like that. Right. They're, 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 I'm only there like for a, a couple hours a day, once a week. I, I take the food out of the warmer. I serve it to the students. You know, I, I'm keeping the flesh and the milk separate, putting everything back, cleaning the kitchen, and I leave. I'm not. That, that's about it. So you don't you don't run into any problems. Uh, not so far, Baruch Shem. <laughs> Let me ask you, this is a question that I personally have had for many, many years, and I, and I discuss it on a number of occasions, and, and, and it bothers me very much. Um, you, you're doing something on a campus, is that correct? That's, that's correct. Okay. So one of the things that I found is that, and I write a lot about what we call uh, campus kosher. I, I write about it in a magazine almost every single issue, 
it's it's a thing I have in my head because I was exposed to a lot of it uh, over the years from people who introduced the new kosher kitchens and people who fought for their, to get kosher, who were students there, and problems that came up. And a lot of things came over my desk, across my desk. The, the thing that bothers me is that I'm hearing that a student will come into college as a freshman from an orthodox home, or even maybe not orthodox, maybe a, uh, maybe a conservative home, where they were keeping kosher, and they'll come in as a freshman, but by the time they're a senior in college, they may not be keeping kosher. Is that something that you came across? Uh, well, at the college that I'm uh, at, I mean, th- th- there's no firm people there, really. There's nobody who's Shomer Kashras. Um So what, what are we serving them? <laughs> We're serving them the best of the best. Glant, Chol of Yisrael. Uh, and they don't Yisrael. want it? They didn't want it? Well, why are they coming? <laughs> well, there, there was at one point in time, I think, a small uh, Shomer Kashra's student uh, population that's kind of petered out over the years. But, but, um, but why, is it, why is it being kept? I mean, how is it being kept up? Because uh, uh, somebody who is not interested in kosher has a lot of options. Right, right. The, 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 I mean, really, the, uh, the local Chabad Shliach is really the, the, the brains behind the whole project and has been the one keeping everything great. And there are plenty of Jews who come to the kosher kitchen, I mean, for whatever reason. Maybe they, 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 they like the taste of the food, or, or they do, you know, they are exploring their heritage a little bit and do like the um, kosher aspect. And uh, there's been enough of a demand for it to keep it there. Um, so it's more of a Jewish identity, you're saying, than it's, than it's a commitment to kosher. Yeah, yeah. So you would say that these students might be buying uh, real non-kosher food during the rest of the week, and they're coming to you for whatever program? Oh, I mean, I see people coming in, uh, you know, with, you know, holding their tray sandwich in their hand. I mean, we don't have, it's not an an entire, you know, room or facility dedicated to kosher. It's a bit uh, unique in that way. You walk into this dining hall. And there's, you know, several booths. You've got the Chinese booth, the, the whatever booth, and then there's the kosher booth. So they they pick and choose what they want to do. But are you getting the same people every time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So they, they, they want to identify as kosher or shomish or, or Jewish, whatever that is to them. That's, that's very interesting. You know, I want to tell our audience, they, they may not really grasp what I'm saying because they most because we live in the middle in Brooklyn, so we're living like in a different world from the rest of the country. But what really is happening in this country is that there are a lot of people who are kosher oriented and they they will do kosher part way. There are a lot of Jews who will say, I'm good. I, I am kosher because I choose certain aspects of kashrus. It's something that we don't really relate to because we, we understand the halachic implications of kashrus as a requirement, and it's not an optional thing. It's not a nice idea. Not a, I'm not volunteering it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but instead right. I, I'm, I'm practicing what I have to do, and therefore there isn't any compromise. But, but to many Jews in America... Um, they will they will opt to take certain parts of their diet. 
They, I mean, we all know about Pesach as a, as a perfect example. And um, I, I, I'm hearing that people will go to, and of course, there's the people who don't, who will eat other things, but they wouldn't eat pig. You know, that, that somehow is the, you know, the, that's, that's the one thing that they understand. And the right. other people, you know, would eat, would eat uh, with separate uh, meat and dairy, but they may not even keep kosher meat. So there's a craziness about it. And some people feel that they're doing something. Of course, I don't, I don't agree, but at least that we do have to reach out to these people. And it's a wonderful thing that they choose to, to participate. And to a certain extent... They tell other people, that's where I go. Well, I think there, there is a major distinction to be made here between somebody, you know, raised in a firm environment who's, you know, their observance is kind of atrophying a little bit, and somebody who's going in and, you know, taking things one step at a time, and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it means picking and choosing for the time being, and that's how it works for them. And that's, that's more of what I see. Well, in my work. Well, we always advised people when I was dealing with the, uh, I mean, I don't have it very often anymore, but I have had it not so long ago. But we were talking to people who are not observant and we're trying to get them to begin their observance. We always tell them to do one step at a time. I mean, that's the olive base. No one should jump in and keep everything uh, cold turkey. Because what happens then is it's just it's it's over it's overbearing, and most people couldn't survive. So even though it would be wonderful, but we but we advise them to go step by step. We don't tell them what the steps are. Uh, interestingly enough, Rav Moshe Feinstein said that the first step should be Shabbos. He said, uh, you know, uh, was I said it wrong? Maybe I said it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He said I didn't think the first step should be kosher. I said I'm sorry. He said the first step should be kosher. Rav Moshe Feinstein said because it. it you you have a body that uh, if if you don't eat kosher, then it's a different kind of body. You can't really do Shabbos and tefillah and everything properly if you're eating treif. So he he suggested kosher was first. Other people think Shabbos, but he Ramosha Feinstein said kosher. But again, even in kosher, you're saying there's pieces you can't put a, you have to put the puzzle together piece by piece. Yeah, of course, that's that's what I did. That's what. People at uh, Orsamaic Muncie have, have advised me to do. Um, well, when they when you when you come you know, when you you come into a place, let's say Orsamaic, uh, whether it's Muncie or Israel or or any of these uh, about Chuva yeshivas, whether they're working with somebody. So, but but when, when you're in this when you're in the yeshiva, aren't you observing one hundred percent? I mean, would they allow? Oh, of course, of yeah. course, it's pretty hard to eat treif in a yeshiva, I right? Mean, yeah, yeah, you're you're doing you're doing it's it's much easier to do what everyone else is doing. But they would advise a person who was outside the yeshiva, who's not living in the building, to go step by step. Right, right. Or maybe when they leave the yeshiva. Um, because when they're when yeah. they when, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, at least uh, at Orsamayef Munsi. I mean, it, I'd say the vast majority of Bachram there are there for like. A good uh, year or two or so, but you know they, there are people who come in there for like you know they're, they're in college, and they they come in for for a weekend, uh-huh. or for a Shabbos or something like that. Um, so that's that's a bit of a different situation. So how did you get involved with Chabad? <laughs> they were they were uh, they were there. Yeah, there's not many options here. <laughs> uh, so they they were it, right? 
Oh, well, no, no. He, we, we've got um, we've got a Chabad here, and we've got a. Um, I guess I'll just go ahead and say where I'm located. I've asked, um, you know, all the all the parties involved in huh. all the organizations. Okay, that, go uh, ahead. Permission to mention. So yeah, I'm, I'm here in Ithaca, New York. So we've got we've got Cornell University here, where I'm a student now, and there's there's a you know, fantastic Chabad here, kind of spearheaded by by the Burks and the Silversteins. Um, been going on. Rabbi Eli Silverstein is fantastic. I mean, he's the one who spearheaded this kosher food at IC, Ithaca College, the other smaller college in the area. Um, you know, the Rebbe sent him here. He's been here for 30, 31 years. Um, and it's just fantastic that we have somebody of that, that caliber in the area. And then there's also the, um, the Center for Jewish Living which has, interestingly enough, been around since the, um, the mid-50s or so. I think originally it was a young Israel, and it was the first um, kind of kosher living facility for from students. This is what I read. No, it's uh, correct. In, in America, I remember it. On the college. I'm not, from the, I'm not talking about the 50s. It wasn't in the 50s, I don't believe, but I remember it. I remember Cornell University had the first kosher kitchen on the campus. That's right. That's right. And, Fantastic. Yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a, but you're saying that there's not one kosher kid uh, utilizing it now? Oh, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. No, I was talking about Ithaca College, where I work. Oh, at, you work at, at, at Ithaca. Cornell University, you know, there's, we've got the Center for Jewish Living, and we've got, like, a house of, like, you know, a couple dozen from... There used to be, young, guys, used to be you know? young Israel on the campus there. Used to be yeah. young Israel. Yeah, yeah. This is just what what it's called and its current. But Ithaca, you're saying the, the Ithaca College. Yeah. But the Ithaca College, you're saying, doesn't have a, a, a an Orthodox population at all. No, no, not anymore. And how do the, how do they reach out to the uh, to those those the young men and young women aside from giving them kosher food? Well, uh, we we've got a new shliach in the area actually, so <laughs> he's he's finding ways to do that. Um, and that's really, really one of one of the the hardest things I find about about my job is, you know, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not just a, a food server, you know, I have to. It's my role to, you know, you know, to show them what Yiddishkeit is is all about, and it's a tough situation to be in, to be the person, to be the Jew, to be the Jew. They look at me. As an observant Jew, and asked me, I assume, oh, well, well, you're an observant Jew, so you probably answer any uh, any question I have on my mind today, and uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's really it's it's a, it's a big responsibility that I don't take lightly. So, 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 share with us uh, either some of the things you can't answer, or some of the things you were asked to to, to answer. Just let's hear a little bit about that. Uh, to, to be honest, I don't get too many questions. Um, but the, but you're uh, the, the other week, I told somebody that that they were Jewish. They didn't realize that having a Jewish mother meant that you were fully halakhically Jewish. Um, wow. That was an interesting conversation. Wow. Um, but they ended up eating the kosher food. They ended up eating the kosher food before they thought they were Jewish. Yeah, yeah see, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's very interesting. But I'll tell you the truth. In, in, in the answer to the question, but the point you should know is that God Almighty does that all the time. There are people who are led back because they want to come back 
or that they accept that they're Jewish because they wanted to, they really want to, and he puts them in that position. I believe that every single individual is receiving these kinds of messages, whether we're responsive to them or not, we're always getting these kinds of opportunities knocking at the door. Sometimes we choose to follow them, and sometimes we, we just slam the door shut. But obviously, I think everybody is given that opportunity. That, you know, when you read in the paper about a big rabbi or an organiz- a Jewish organization or anything uh, tying into our religion, it, these are in secular papers, and the whole world reads it. Some people it registers with, this is interesting. Unbelievable. And other people, it goes right over the head. So we are given opportunities constantly. We're all, all exposed. Uh, but I think God Almighty gives the, them the opportunity, whether they take it or they don't, that's their choice. Let's go a little right. bit in, let's go a little bit into one of the main topic we wanted to talk about, because time is moving on already. It's the question of science and kashras. Now you're studying science in college. What, what, what science are you studying? Uh, agriculture, really, um, more less of the food science and more of the uh, farming, <laughs> the soil science, the horticulture, uh, that sort of thing. Right now, in in uh, in Kashrus, we tie into that. We tie into everything into science. Um, whether or not uh, the the people who are doing Kashrus know science, really, it'd be nice if they did know it. And I do think there is a future for people who know science in Kashrus. Um, but I think that the, uh, the people who don't know it uh, hopefully have enough intelligence to seek out people who do know science, whether they are religious people or not religious people, Jewish or not Jewish, but they seek out proper advice. And I, that's the thing that I found by, in, in, you know, over the years, that the people who I would have said, hey, how could you possibly take this hashkocha? So they they tell me, you should see who I took to the plant with me. <laughs> I said it's not it's not me, it's his brains. I may be collecting the money and setting up the mashgichim, but it's his brains. And a lot of times they do that, and I've seen it. I've seen it at Shrita that people will send out a maven. I was together with Rabbi Belsky when he was examining uh, Milmar. I'm sorry, Gladmart. Right over here in Flatbush, he was coming to representing, not at that time, the OU. He was working for the Kuf K, and he was checking out the kashras of Glatmart for the Kuf K in those days. And uh, I was there for another purpose, also to, to learn a little bit more about uh, the things that they do with the salting and the, um, and the tray bring that we're doing in those days. So, yeah, you've got to have somebody good doing it. And uh, the more you know about it, the better. Uh, so definitely, it's a good it's a good start for the kashmas field, and I th- I think that uh, today's world there's a lot in the milk business that ties into what you are doing. Actually, uh, as a matter of fact, we're we're uh, right here in the middle of dairy, the dairy industry, upstate New York. Uh, Cornell just uh, recently koshered uh, one of their new dairy uh, plants. Making, I, I believe this is like a like a first, the first it, time there's been like a kosher food plant at a university. Right, and it's under um, the OU. It's under the OU. That's right. That's right. So that's that. That was a big thing. I, I think Rabbi uh, Dr. Regenstein was probably involved with that one. Yeah, of course. So uh, 
Have you got a chance to view that? Uh, view the plants? No. Uh, no, no. I think he, he's actually, I'm taking a class of his uh, kosher and halal food regulations where uh, I'm pretty sure at some point, I know he videotaped the whole process. Uh-huh. And I think he'll be showing that and then making that, uh, watching that uh, required in the class. So mm-hmm. I, I look forward to seeing that, that process. I I think that, Mayor, you should make an appointment and go see the plant, maybe after you see the video, and uh, you're going to come away with a whole different understanding that you didn't have before. When you have the, sec- the, the education, you got to apply it. And the more you apply it, the better it's going to be helpful to you in the future um, because every plant that we see, everything that we see, it opens our brain and we become aware of how to deal with another situation when it comes up. I mean, the, 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 the more plants that you see, the more things that you actually see, the more you're really able to take that book knowledge and put it into practice. Right. So I would, I, would, I would try to get a chance to get over there. He'll arrange it for you, I'm sure. <laughs> Tell him I said I'm so. I'm sure. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, without a doubt, yeah. yeah so that, and it's not like a, a big trip either. <laughs> you, don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to take a, you know, a plane over there to see it. A lot of us no. would, would find it hard to get to a place that, that, that does these things. They're not around the corner necessarily. Um, uh-huh. Although, actually, I think in Jersey we have. Uh, so let me go on to a couple of other things that uh, we were going to talk about. Uh, I asked the question, um, how have your, uh, when you've been studying in school, uh, how has that changed since you became from? Um. Well, I, I started off, yeah, more on the, uh, definitely wasn't thinking of going into Kashris. <laughs> right. Uh, more of like some sort of soil science uh, field or maybe, maybe advising farmers at, a, at an extension center or something like that. So I was originally much more focused on what still is really the focus of my degree, the, the, the horticulture and that sort of thing. But since then, I... Uh, you know, I've expanded, you know, I'm taking more of the food science sorts of things. You know, this great class by Dr. Regenstein and more of more of the hard science side. Um, when you're talking on the, in the, the phone, try to talk a little straight. I was, it's getting a little shaky. Okay. Oh, um, sorry about yeah. that. Now, now, now give me, uh, give me, you gave us a little bit of an understanding of, how how uh, you can get asked kind of questions, but how do you feel in terms of uh, people would ask you a question uh, and your background isn't isn't uh, full? So how do you deal with that? Do you do you uh, look into things for them? You just say I'm not a rabbi. Well, how do you handle that 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 type of topic when they ask you something that's off topic? It's not uh, something that you know right away. And I'll immediately refer them to Rabbi Eli. I mean, he's one of the most knowledgeable people in the area. Okay, so yeah. let me let me tell you, that's true. But what I would do, this is what I would do, because we're talking together. I mean, you know, I, I, everybody else is listening, but this is the first time we spoke. I would do is I would follow up with them afterwards. They asked the question. You sent them to your Rabbi Eli, and he told them whatever you said. But sometimes they want to talk to you again, and that's good. And you should do it, even though uh-huh. you don't have any, you know, you don't have all the sources there. But 
you have the contact. And 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 you you have to use those those contacts because really, them whether you have the answers to their questions or not, you are the front person that they're seeing most, and that's that's a very very important position. So I would I would keep that connection by asking them what did he say, how did you react to it, and and then sometimes that will be very very helpful to them. Most of more and I do is supportive work like that. And I find that it, it, it's very, very significant. Mm-hmm. Now, l- let me ask you, we're going to go to a different topic, and then we're going to open it up. The, actually, I open it up now, and I'll, then I'll be able to, uh, then I'll be able to, uh, uh, to, 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 uh, to handle the questions. We'll do a little bit of this stuff afterwards. Um, if you want to call us, you can call us at 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Or you can text us at 347-927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. Or call us at 718-683-5858. Please stay on, on topic, meaning you want to speak to Mayor, you want to find out about colleges, about uh, you want to find out about uh, some of the issues of the Balchuva situation, you want to know a little bit about some of the Hashkocha things that he might tie into, uh, let's more or less stay on topic rather than asking me uh, the same questions we have every week, okay? So uh, when you just keep them on topic, okay? Uh, now let's just go back to what I was going to talk about. I want to ask you this. What you observe the Orthodox community, you now that you're part of it, uh, you know, what do you think is lacking? What would you want to change? What I want to change, hmm, uh, you know, definitely I just, I, I can't describe to you how much of a thrill it is for me to go from, you know, this small community to a place like Muncie or mm-hmm. Flatbush and go there and see, like, it's, 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 it's a, I, I, I get a head rush. I mean, to walk in a Sephora store for me is just <laughs> amazing. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and it really... It's disappointing. It's disappointing when I see people, you know, Mali Afer, you were just saying, you know, disappointing when I, when, when I see people taking their, their heritage for granted. Um, In other words, we got to so, appreciate it more. Yeah, yeah. We take, it sure. we take it too much for granted. What, what would you say the, the strengths of the Orthodox community are? Oh, chesed. Chesed. Torah knowledge. Oh man, it's it's. Oh man, probably Chesed is is what's what's impressed me the most, and and probably part of what pulled me in. Um, just the, the openness, you know, willingness to engage, which isn't really the perception that you know most people coming from the outside have, which is unfortunate. But um, you know, once when, once you start talking to people, you realize. What the reality of the situation is, and it's it's been great. <laughs> Very good. Let we have a caller. Let's take the call. And anybody wants a call in seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Go ahead. Okay, you're on cautious on the air. Can I help you? Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to know. I'm sorry. I I'm, I'm in the. You said to stay on topic, but I just tuned in, and I don't really know what the topic is. But I 
want to know if baby corn is okay to use if, or if that has the same problem as regular corn. No, it's, I'm it's sorry that I'm off No, and that's off the, but, but you know, there's no problem with baby corn. I mean, you need ashkoch on everything, but there's no problem with baby right. corn. Okay? Thank, Thank you, you very much. Brother. Okay, so we're going to go back to some of our discussion until somebody uh, I, calls. Let me ask you about science. Oh. You know about science. You know we are right now science of the earth and right the the uh, all this right. uh, fertilizer and stuff. Of this is anything that you're just doing something to prevent the bugs? Ah, uh, no. So that's that's another thing that I'm going to try and uh, shift my interest towards. You know, the, I mean, there's plenty of classes I can take here on. I haven't taken it yet, so I, I, I mean, I can't say much about it. There's plenty of in, integrated pest management classes, greenhouse classes, um, and these sorts of things. But, but it's definitely on my priority list. What about the, the question that we have, which started about 23 years ago, when, when we discovered that um, the, uh, the veterinarians... Where when it was some when a cow had displaced apomazum apomazum, they they would uh, give it in a, they would take a, a a syringe and stick it into the stomach, and it created a hole which, according to uh, halacha, might might create a trefa, and right. because of that, there was a big issue. And at Cornell, the veterinarians were trained in that method. There's a second method that's used to roll it or something like that. I don't know too much about it, but the other method that is used would not create any trefer, but uh, but the but Cornell trains in the in the method that does produce a shila, and Belsky Zatzal uh, was very outspoken. He was the one who permitted the use of the milk for the OU, but. Um, he told me, and we had a meeting with him from a Talmudim that I was teaching, learning with them Hilchas Trefus. We had a we had a meeting. It was a three and a half hours, and at the end, Rabbi Belsky, I asked Rabbi Belsky, "Would you eat the animal?" And he says, "No, you can't eat the animal. Well, the milk that you're getting from animals, you can assume this and that and the other thing. There's a lot of doubts, but in terms of eating an animal, that you know this operation was done on it, you cannot eat it." So there is a serious issue, and I'm wondering if anything has changed in the field that you know of, or you're familiar with this whole thing. No, no, I'm not. I mean, I mean I've, I'm, I'm not familiar with Cornell's involvement. I mean, I've heard of Shiloh before. I'm, I'm not really involved in animal science. The veterinary school is a whole other uh, animal here. Oh, you only so talk about the ground. You only talk about the ground. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hear you. Okay, so we're gonna. So we are we familiar? Are we familiar with organic? Oh yes, oh yes. So organic is real. Is it organic really being controlled? Is you know are there really is organic uh, beef? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, generally, yeah, yeah. I'd say organic is. I mean, are you are you asking me if organic as a concept is like? Uh, Legitimate, or if the issue is associated with her eating organic. I mean, are they are they really controlling it, and is it significant in terms of the beef? Uh, Domestically, yes, but uh, whenever you're importing, especially from Europe, there's definitely more of a question, especially kind of the more um, Eastern Europe, uh, Southern Europe, 
there there have been some scandals recently. People find that products were mislabeled, and it's it's much harder to know. But but generally, organic from the U.S. is is pretty reliably organic. And and as far as the as far as the what you know from your side of it, the organic in beef is significant. Is a significant issue for people, or is it something that you know it's on the it's on the outer fringe? It's probably more of the fringe, I'd say. More in the fringe. Okay. We got a caller. Let's take it. Okay, you're on cautious on the air. Can we help you? Hi. Um, I'd like to know if I let that walk into Target and there's icy there. Um, how would I know, like, would I know if I'd be able, um, able to drink it? Okay. We were going we to see the topic, but icy, I-C-E-E-E, the I-C-E-E, that, that company as I understand, is kosher. I don't know if all of the beverages are kosher, but definitely many of them are. But I have no way of knowing that Target is using kosher ones. You'd really have to do a little research. So I'll give you, I'll tell you how to do it. You call the OU and ask them, because I believe they certify it, you can ask them, is the company Icy, I-C-E-E, is it a totally kosher company, everything they make kosher? If it is, and that is where they're actually getting it from, then it would be, as they say, a no-brainer. Okay. Okay, and I would like to know, like, um, so let me you give know... you a tel- let me give you a telephone number: two one two five six three. Okay. Four thousand. Four thousand. Four thousand, and ask uh, you know, ask the, you have to go to the cashier's department, and then you have to find out, um, you know, whether the IC company is only kosher, and it's only them, and and in which case. There would be, be, as I say, a no-brainer as long as they're really using that. I assume they're using it because they tell you. I mean, there's no reason for them to lie about that. And if you want to believe it, believe it. If you want to ask them to show you a, a container, you can ask them to show a container. But if, if, if it is really that, then there would be no problem. Okay? Okay. And um, I would like to know if there's, like, um, there's any difference in cash risk between the ICs and the 7-Eleven. Well, the 7-Eleven, I told you, a hundred times already, the Seven Eleven has Trafen kosher, and uh, they—I uh, did not find them to be very honest and very uh, proper in how they conducted the, 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 in some of the some of the Seven Elevens, and I—I I don't think it's a good choice, and I also don't like the environment. And Target, as unless I'm mistaken, it's just a shopping area, um, so it's a different kind of a thing. So again, it's up to you, uh, your parents, and your rov, okay, your rabbi. Okay. okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we had a young caller there. Uh, Mayo, let's get back to you. And uh, we have 7 Eleven. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, sorry. You know, okay, so um, where else should we should go? Look, give me, a, give me a, a, a place to go. I'm going to be back in just one minute, and we'll let you ask. You can ask me some questions, and we'll do it that way, or I'll discuss some other topics with you. But uh, let me just have one minute, please. Uh, I'd like to speak to about you about Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. Glotmart has been meeting the needs of the Flappish community for the last 36 years. And uh, the, uh, at Glotmart, think of price, convenience, quality, and service. And, and at Glotmart, you can save plenty of money by using their uh, valley, uh, by, by using the specials that are on every week. I'm going to mention a couple of them now. And you can save a lot of time by coming into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance, for the, uh, utilize their valley parking service, and they'll have it all ready for you, the car ready for you, to fill up with all those wonderful items you purchase in the store. 
some of the items on sale right now. These are very, very good. Cortland apples, 79 cents a pound. Fresh and tasty cottage cheese, 16 ounce, two for $5. Aspen facial tissues, 79 cents. Shoulder roast beef, $9.99. Veal stew, $8.99 a pound. These are just some of the items that are on sale right now. And at Glatmart, the quality meats is A1 with, with both certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush. At, at, uh, and they have... Uh, uh, they have uh, all all their meats are um, base Yosef and expert Nikur, and it and you get uh, a very high quality of uh, the the meats at Glotmart. And if you uh, meet meet the Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Kashrus about Glotmart over Kashrus on the air or with J Radio. Glotmart is at twelve oh five. Avenue M. The items I mentioned before are only on sale today and tomorrow. The new sale items start on Wednesday. Okay, uh, we'll go back to you now, Mayor. So, let's. Uh, what areas would you like to explore? Well, um, what comes to mind really is when the Manal of Orsamir Muncie is, you know, inundated with requests about, you know, how, how do I. What direction should I go in terms of Parnassa? He is fond of quoting Pasuk from Nafadodi, Sof Masev Machshavat Hila. And I find that very, very applicable. I've seen so many people come to even Cornell University and Ivy League University. Mm -hmm. They come, they get their degree, they kind of muddle through school, they don't really know what they want to wind up doing, and, and then they're like scrubbing toilets or something. So I'm trying to avoid that by, by understanding what practically, uh, what sorts of positions are out there. And, it, and it's great to hear that there is a need for uh, people who know science in Congress. But what, what specific jobs do you think those might be? Well, you see, the problem here is that, and then that's a good question. That's the question we started with when the emails we had together. The, the, the problem is that you're... Uh, a fresh recruit. If you would have smicha, then it's a different program, you know. But the, but I think that any decent cautious organization needs people who have scientific background because they can look at a situation differently. Like you, we just discussed this question of organic. So, for example, um, there is there are, uh, in a, a cautious organization like the OU or the Cuff K, Star K, CRC in Chicago, one of the big hashkochas, COR in Canada, these kinds of hashkochas, they need a lot of information, and they seek it. And they, some, when they, there's a lot of movement towards one area, then they will sometimes hire somebody on staff to, to, to be working regularly, or they're going to tie in to somebody who's a consultant. In other words... Mm-hmm. Uh, a consultancy is always a possibility, but that's not a fixed job, and it depends upon who's interested to win. So uh, most people would try to get into a uh, position, but the position could be a combination of hashkocha, let's say, for example, the, what they call rabbinical coordinator. But again, the rabbinical coordinator is supposed to be a rabbi. In reality, they, not, they are not always rabbis. 
That's the fact. That I don't want to publicize it, but that's a fact that not all the rabbis in the kashvas organizations are rabbis. They never got smicha, and uh, they may be knowledgeable on a certain level, but not sufficient to be called rabbi. But that's the business. Like a teacher sometimes is called rabbi. You know, a rebbe is called a rabbi. They give him a title, even though it's not real. So they have some people like that in the kashrus field. But even if you don't have that, there's sometimes in the business world, you know, they, 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 they want to tie into somebody who is in the business of science, the business of this, who, who does have maybe even different position, but they need him. Now, again, I don't know exactly about uh, the area that you have, you know, you're studying. I would say diversify as much as possible because that is the most likely uh, need in the future is of somebody with a vast amount of knowledge. Years ago, there was, uh, I mean, there was still, he's still around. I mean, one of the best people in Kashrus in Chicago area, the OU hired a man who was to be his protege, to follow him around, to learn everything you can from this man because he's an older gentleman already and we need more people and we need somebody to, to take hold of what he's doing. And, and there was somebody who's more organized than him because he, was very, very, uh, he wasn't a very organized individual. Still around, though, at Baruch Hashem. So uh, this fellow trained under him. And then he came to work. He was working for the OU for many years. And now he gives his own hashkacha. He left the OU. Uh, I think they got a value out of him anyway because he was there a number of years. And uh, he has a tremendous knowledge. He picked it up from working with the person who knew it. And that, so that's the other, the other way is, you know, to, that once you have some solid knowledge in the, in the secular area, that you cull more knowledge from the, from the conscious authorities. And uh, then you're a combination. Where exactly you'll fit, I'm not, you know, in practical conscious. I don't do any hashkocha, so I couldn't really answer that. But I think you sit down with the kafke the star K, the OU, and uh, OK, and just talk with them. I think they'll, they'll be able to help direct you. But I would say get a vast knowledge, and you can ask them which specialties they think would be the most important. Uh, can I add something? Sure. I, something I tell you, as a science uh, background, I think that, uh, in my opinion, concentrate and a soil research and... This is a big issue. Uh, you think was, the soil research? Uh, soil research and, you know, mixing a repellent uh, um, object in the soil to prevent uh, bugs and stuff. This is a big yeah. issue. Right. And I think this is, if you're going to do this, I, I wish I had the time and I was working on this. It's It can be a, a huge, huge developing to the all, all the bug problem in, in the society. And I know that you have some kind of... Chemi- uh, you know, I don't want to use the chemicals, but using like natural chemicals, that uh, natural scent and natural stuff that you work on the on on the soil that prevent a lot of uh, you know bugs and stuff like this. Take, I, I think that you have the option right now with student over there. You can take it as a project. I think it could be great for the Jewish and you, you know, position and the and the Kashrut. Mayor, let me just add over here that uh, the big move today is to the greenhouses, to raising uh-huh. the vegetables in the, in the greenhouses. And when, the, when you're doing that, 
uh, it doesn't, it's not a guarantee that there's no bugs. You have to do it properly. And there's tremendous amount of work on that across the world, in Israel, in America, etc. Everybody is rushing to try to, to get the ground in working properly. So, the, the, yes, the soil is extremely important to us, but the insect thing is probably the biggest area. Yeah, but this is the, this, that's including. That's it. It's, it's right. basically combined together. Right. If you find some kind of soil. Okay, we have another caller. Go ahead. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Yeah, I want to know if um, the, what's the difference between, let's say, herbaceous and a can of Coke? I'm sorry, a can of Coke is what? And what? What's the difference? What, it's a difference or anything? Like, let's say, oh, you can of Coke and oh, you her potato chips. Is there a difference? It's both oh, you. I, mean, what's the, what, I don't understand what you're asking no, about. No, what's like the difference, like the recipe, is there anything like, which one is more like more kosher? Well, that's something, you know, you're a young person, you really should speak to your parents about it. Or your rabbi and or your rabbi and yeshiva would be able to help you. But I I don't think that we can say why more kosher. If you want to use what they call Hamish hashgacha, obviously OU is a national hashgacha, and they're doing certain things on a certain level. But the OU is the same OU whether it's a can of Coke, a potato chip, or a can of tuna, or a pizza. Anything that the OU does is always doing it by OU standards. There isn't any difference. Some people may prefer not to accept the OU for everything. That's their, that's their prerogative. But that's something you have to speak to your rabbi or your parents about. I don't think we could take care of it here. Okay? Thank you very much oh, for the call. Just, uh, tell you, uh, invite uh, Rabbi Wickler to the <laughs> Yeshiva. Yeah, you should really go there. <laughs> okay. You're, you're unconscious on the air. Can we help you? Yes, I want to know what's the proper method of cleaning strawberries, if there is Oh, so I really wanted Maya to be involved here. Okay, strawberries we don't accept as uh, able to be cleaned right now. We don't feel that they they think there's too many insects. They can't be cleaned. No, you could shave it, but I don't don't like the whole thing. It's very hard to do. If you got a good, good, good... uh, uh, thing they would shave off the outside, then of course there's no problem with the big, big strawberries. It's a it's a whole patch. I did it last year. This year I skipped it. But uh, you know, without shaving it, you wouldn't recommend it. I don't. Yeah, I don't recommend it. No. Uh-huh. Then, then you should know there's a in general. What? No, 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 no. We we have a general problem because we were just talking about the insects. You see, uh, the, the strawberries. Uh, first of all, they're not washed before you get them. Most products have been washed, and they put a heavy wash. They put it into this. You don't. They the the frozen strawberries are washed intensely, but the but the fresh strawberries they wouldn't dare put water on it. And aside from everything else, you got plenty of um, spray there, and they're not so successful with the sprays. A tremendous number of insects in strawberries, and so we, you know, it, it's not a question of today or this year; it's a general problem uh, because a lot, a lot of the insects have become used to the different kinds of uh, sprays that they had, and they they're not they're not working so well anymore. 
So it, it, the same thing happened with uh, the flu, right? There was a new strain of yeah. flu every year. It, it's it, things change, and the, you can't really get it down pat without heavy, heavy, heavy spraying. And uh, we haven't seen anyone be able to claim that their strawberries, fresh strawberries, are clean. It just doesn't seem to be. Okay. There's a product a few months ago in the stores that a greenhouse grown. Would that be better? Okay. Now the greenhouse grown. It was a. You say there was a problem in the store about the greenhouse grown. The greenhouse grown you're referring to, there was it, it was in a frozen one. Was that right? No, I think it was fresh. There, no. there was they were off the shelves in a few hours. Everybody grabbed them. Oh, there were, were greenhouse grown ones. You're saying? Okay. Well, yes. positive makes a, a, a fresh strawberry, I believe, and that may be what you're referring to. They may call it kosher gardens because they have different names. Uh, mm-hmm. That may be what you're referring to. It's not that the greenhouse is a guarantee. We mentioned that a few minutes ago. But, right. yes, uh, they, uh, the, the ones that are grown very specially, they may be able to do it, but it's, it's not something that can be kept up easily. And, and if you don't see them regularly in the store, it's because it's very hard to get. Very hard for them okay. to Okay, thank you for the call. Thank you very much. Mayor, anything Bye-bye. else? Yeah. Mayor, we have another few minutes. Anything uh, you want to throw in? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could probably spend another show or two answering this question, but we talked about taking things one step at a time for somebody entering the firm world. Right. How 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 do I navigate? Well, both just all all the humors and, <laughs> and whatnot out there. How do I how do I figure that out? And all the hushkachas. What, what, what do I do about that? <laughs> oh, why didn't you do this a half an hour ago? Okay. <laughs> yeah, like you said, we need another show for that. But I'm gonna give it. To you. I'm gonna give you the shortcut. I'm gonna give you the right. shortcut. First of all. There is an American standard of kashras. The American standard of kashras, I made up the term, by the way. I, I, I coined it. American <laughs> standard. No, sorry, no, no I, I did really did. I think people are using it a little bit now, but I, I made it up. It's, oh, it's, wow. it's the OU, the OK, the Cuff K, and the Star K. They bounce around and don't agree with each other, but in general, there is a certain uh, agreement on a certain level between all those organizations. Well, that's the American standard of kashras. That's where you have to be for sure. Whether you have to go past that to what we call Hamish, where there are humras that you're talking about, that's a different question. So now every one of these is a little bit different. Let's say, for example, if you were living in New York City, or you're visiting somebody in New York City. So the star case position, the OU's position, is we basically have to filter our water. Um, so even the... American standard of kashras is saying filtration of, of in, in, in Brooklyn and Manhattan, Queens, Long Island, I'm sorry, Queens, Staten Island, et cetera, and Bronx is to, um, is, is to filter your water. Now, there's some people in the Staten Island told me this, they're not finding anything. Okay, whatever. But basically, we have a problem with the water. So that's something they signed on to, even the American standard of kashras. Uh, the, the pineapple that has 
that has a lot of mites that go into those little brown areas, you know, when you cut the pineapple off. So you got to be careful not to leave the little browns got to be cut off because there's small mites that get in there. Well, that's something I saw from the Star K. So it's, it's a, that's the American standard of kosherus. Strawberries, there are maybe there are some people who feel they can wash them certain ways, but basically they're treating it completely different than we did 10 years ago. So, yes, the American standard of kosherus is a, very, is a real standard. Do I have to accept more than that? That's something that you have to develop within yourself. It's not a question of, I can give you an answer. It's a person's choice of life. It's a life choice. Where am I headed? Who do I look towards? How do I look in davening? What do I dress in davening? Why, you know, the same question about what should I wear in davening? Um, what should I do with anything? It's, all, it's, a, it's a lifestyle choice. I want to be associating with this group. I want to associate with that group. I respect this person. I respect that person. I got to make those choices myself. Nobody can tell me to be more strict than the American standard of kashras. If I choose to, that's fine. So what I would say, that's one way of looking at it. And the other way is you have your own advisors or people who brought you into Yiddishkeit and who you ask questions of, whether it's Rabbi Eli or it's uh, some people in Rosameach, and those are good people to bounce off of because they have to live in the world too. And, they, and no one is, uh, you know, you, know, you don't become a crazy if you take on Chumras, but if you do it blindly without any, any thought at all, so then maybe it's uh, not the right route, and sometimes it could hurt. You know, you're going to have to get married someday. You're going to have to raise a family. Where do I want everybody to be? Where do I want them to go to school? All these are decisions. And those decisions are what you have to, you have to work on yourself. That's the short. <laughs> did, 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 it, did it help you a little? Oh, definitely. Thank well, you. One of the things that I tell people to do is to take a cashless agency that you rely upon. If you open your cupboard, you see things in there. One cashless agency that you rely upon and call that agency and ask questions and pick the brains of the people who are working there, representing them, and they will answer them for you. So that after a certain while, you have your own private in, in or your uncle in cashless. You have somebody who you can talk to who will, who will tell you everything. That's one of the things I do. Uh, you want to take that call over there? The call coming in? No. Yeah, okay. Okay, we got a caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Yeah, I don't want to go on the air, but I just wanted to say that uh, Ravelski did not say in Kensington and Brooklyn you needed filtered water. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, and I never said Rabbi Belsky said it, because I know Rabbi Belsky did not say it. Rabbi Belsky said you do not need filtered water. Rabbi Belsky, however, had a filter in the house. That, that you can find out is a fact. But I never said that. I said the OU. And then many people associate Rabbi Belsky, Azat Sal, and the OU. And Rabbi Belsky worked for the OU. He gave his input, but the decisions of the OU were never, uh, you know, exactly what Rabbi Belsky said. Because there were, there's Rabbi Shachter, Rabbi Ganak, who runs the Kashrus agency, the OU, and Rabbi Ganak makes the decisions. Rabbi Shachter and Rabbi Belsky had input, and they even asked people outside of, the, of that, that grouping. And so Rabbi Belsky is not synonymous with OU. 
Rabbi Belsky never ate the tuna fish from the OU. Rabbi Belsky had his had areas that he, he never ate the chalav stam. He never ate a lot of stuff that they that the OU was giving Ashkoch on. So the OU and Rabbi Belsky are not synonymous. And even though people find that very hard to believe, that's the fact. Okay? Thank you for that call. I, I hope I was helpful to you. Um, anything else, Mayor? You got two minutes. Well, just, just a comment. I mean, I just, I'm just so thankful for... I'm no stranger to J-Root or Kashrus on the air. <laughs> okay. I've been listening to uh, shows on and off for, for a couple of months, and I just, I, I just really appreciate, you know, this show, Kashrus Magazine, everything that you do, uh, and being able, it, it's, re, it's really great for me to be able to have the opportunity to talk to uh, you and Rev Nissim here and, and see, really see how re, real B'nai Torah act and speak. Well, you're a real Ben Torah too, and you have to remember you and have to, the way you act and speak is affects those people up at the at the Ithaca College, and it's going to make a, a difference in their lives. They're going to point to a guy that they knew. I mean, Mayor or your other names, you know, but Mayor is your name. But uh, you know, they, they, they know they, they know Judaism through you, and every Jew who walks the face of the earth. Who is whether they're religious or not, but but certainly if they're religious, they represent Judaism, and uh, it it's it's uncanny the impact that you can have on another person, a Jew and a non-Jew, and sometimes the impact you have on non-Jews has a tremendous effect for other Jews. So it's a very very important thing. We walk around every day as representatives of Judaism. So it's not just uh, you know talking to us. You are it. <laughs> For, for many, many people. <laughs> so that's something that, you know, you have to work towards. And, um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's something that we do have that responsibility. I was very close with somebody that I teach uh, long distance with, through partners in Torah. And uh, he, wear, he became religious and he wears a yarmulke in the, where he works. And, um, you know, I asked him, you know, he's working for the government and is in a responsible position, and how does it affect him? He says, some people come over and ask me questions <laughs> because he's wearing the yarmulke, and he's, he's able to help some people. You know, it's very interesting, even though he's, and he had to struggle, decide what he's going to do, and he kept the yarmulke on, but, but it, it opened up the door for many people to come to him. <laughs> wow. Interesting, no? Definitely, Wow. So I want to thank you very much for joining me now, Mayor. And uh, we have to do, make this like a, a report in another a year or so or a half a year, whenever it is. You tell me we should get, we should update our report, okay? All right. And and Sounds you can like keep <laughs> and you can keep contacting me, email or on the phone, and uh, any way I can help you, I'd love to. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. And if anybody wants to reach us for suggestions for topics, call us at 718-336-8544. That's our office number. Or to get the magazine, we came out now with the new Kosher Supervision Guide to 1,371 Kashrus agencies worldwide. You can call us at 718-336-8544, or you can email us at kashrus at aol.com. I want to tell you that next week we're going to have Beth um, Warren, 
who's a nutritionist, going to answer your questions. Uh, it, obviously, a good time of the year before the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the Sukkot, all the different changes in the foods, and all the uh, and all of the beginning of the year in the classroom situation, the, the kids and the nash, all that's going to be Hashem next week. We hope we're looking forward to that. We've had her on a number of times, and I have a whole bunch of questions to ask her. And you can get your questions ready and and call us next week. Until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Cautious Magazine.